All right, everyone, come on in, settle down, take a seat. Uh, we're just getting situated here. Uh, this is um, the second episode, I believe, of Bomb Talk with me. I'm your host. I'm Bobby Hundreds. This is Adam Bomb Squad Presents Bomb Talk. If you don't know what Adam Bomb Squad is, if you've been living a little under a rock, um, <laughs> And uh, you definitely must be new to my Twitter because it's pretty much all I've been talking about for the last month or two. Uh, Adam Bomb Squad is our collectibles, our NFT collectibles. There's 25,000 NFTs. They launched a little over a month ago. They sold out in 40 minutes. Um, and uh, as NFTs tend to go, they, they have second and third and fourth and infinite lives in the secondary marketplace. So if you missed out on the initial drop, you can still snag one over on OpenSea. OpenSea is kind of like the eBay of NFTs or a Craigslist of NFTs. Uh, there are other secondary marketplaces out there, but right now it's the one that we got. So if you go to OpenSea, like C as an ocean, OpenSea.io. And uh, look up Adam Bomb Squad. You're looking for the verified blue check. You can sift through and shop through what's available because we have so many NF NFTs. We just have a range in our collection. Um, but yeah, just take a, take a look and see if you like anything. All right, everyone, come on in. I'm Bobby Hundreds. I'm hosting Bomb Talk. This is kind of a new thing that I've been trying out. You know, everyone's been wanting me to do a podcast for years. And... Um, Frankly, I just wasn't interested in doing the work. <laughs> it's a lot of production, a lot of energy. And um, to be perfectly honest, I'm much more comfortable in writing, as you know, than in speaking. And uh, so I just wasn't ever really keen on doing the podcast thing. Twitter Spaces allows me to do this in a way where it's very low pro, uh, very low fi. And... Um, and, uh, and easy to do, you know, I'm just doing this all from my phone by myself. We gave our staff the, uh, the day off because we threw a big food festival yesterday here in Los Angeles called Family Style. I hope uh, many of you were able to attend. Uh, it was awesome. I don't know how many people exactly were still getting those estimates, but I would say it's about 5,000, 6,000 people or so came the best restaurants and the best brands from around the world came together, streetwear, food, collaborating. But one thing that I definitely did notice, well, for one, we invited Adam Bomb Squad, of course. Uh, it turned into a full-on Adam Bomb Squad function, especially if you have a little sticker on your Adam Bomb Squad NFT. You got a free pass. Um, but there was a lot of NFT <laughs> uh, attendance at the festival, a lot of board eight merchandise being worn a lot of the hundreds board eight merchandise being worn uh cool cats hats cool cats had a meetup uh, downtown yesterday right before our festival or around the same time so a lot of people came over from the cool cats thing shout out to the cool cats community if you're in here um but yeah so the staff is off today and i'm here pretty much alone sitting in this giant building so if you're looking to kidnap me now would be the time um but without further ado, I just I want to get started here. All right, so everyone in the room, my name is Bobby Hundreds. This show is called Bomb Talk. It's presented by Adam Bomb Squad. Adam Bomb Squad is our NFT project. 
again, if you're new to NFTs and you're figuring it out, that's what this is all about. I feel like crypto and NFTs are kind of a dark and mysterious place. We're still trying to find each other. Uh, the anonymity doesn't help much at this point in time. Everyone with weird cartoony avatars and profile pictures, it's kind of hard to tell if you're dealing with, with real humans here. I get it. Uh, so this is to provide a human voice and a human conversation to a really confounding and complicated subject, which is NFTs. I've been in this for almost a year now, and I feel like I've moved an inch uh, because the, the technology and the conversation is moving so quickly that uh, every day that you, any day that you get in is pretty much the first day that NFTs were created. So if you feel lost, if you feel like you're behind and, uh, and you have no idea what the hell is going on, you're in the right place because I don't either. So that's a, another big reason of why I chose to do this was that I wanted to learn as well. Um, today's guest is Nick Diamond. You know, every, every show, what I try to do here is, uh, is, is invite different bomb holders, people from within our community, um, to, uh, sorry, I'm inviting some people into the room right now. Uh, number one, I'm bringing in the Anabomb Squad Twitter, who I, I'm assuming right now at this point is um, Sandy, if you all know Sandy. Uh, Nick Diamond is here. Okay. All right. So we got Nick up here, and uh, we have Anabomb Squad in the room. Should we bring Ben up here? Let's just bring Ben. Why not? Because Ben... Ben, ben needs to be heard. Okay, so uh, so what we do every week, what, what I'm trying to do is invite different bomb holders from the community. So we have uh, different, uh, from celebrities to NFT experts to just kind of everyday folks who are getting in, into NFTs. I'm going to be featuring them on the show to talk about different aspects of NFTs for people who are still trying to figure it out. Last week's episode was with Steve Aoki. And the reason why I brought Steve Aoki in was, hey, number one, he's a world-famous DJ, so that's great for listenership. But number two, Steve is also an avid collector. And to really understand this iteration, this chapter of where we're at with NFTs, and to look, this, is, this space is constantly evolving. It might not be like this forever. It definitely wasn't like this in the past. But right now, what NFTs are really about are these collectibles, right? You're seeing them. They're kind of like trading cards. Well, and it, well Steve... Steve was a big sports card, is a big sports card enthusiast and collector. And uh, I wanted everyone to see NFTs from the mindset of someone who's been collecting for a really long time. Now, having said that, every episode that we do this live on Twitter spaces, we're also recording it. And I'm going to be posting the previous episode up on Spotify. In fact, Steve's episode should be up right now on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, I guess in a roundabout way, we ended up making a Bobby Hundreds podcast and it's happening right now. So it's called Bomb Talk. You can look it up, listen to Steve's episode after this if you want, while you're driving to work or school tomorrow, uh, take a listen if you missed it last week. This episode that we're doing right now with Nick, I'm going to be recording and we'll be posting next week. And that's about all the housekeeping I have to get out of the way. I want to bring Nick Diamond up here. Well, Nick is up here. Nick, how are you doing? I'm good. What's up, Bobby and everyone? Thanks for having me. What's up, Nick? And what's up to everyone in the Diamond community who are here? Uh, just a really quick introduction on Nick Diamond. 
Nicky Diamonds, as the kids like to call him. We know him more as Nick Trichet of Diamond Supply Co. Nick is just an OG skater, uh, really a luminary in the skate industry. Then he segues somehow into being a streetwear kingpin, a sneaker king uh, in many regards. The diamond dunks were evidence of that. Probably one of the most legendary sneakers of all time. Ben and I, Ben is my partner, Ben Hundreds, who's also in the room, have always remarked that Nick is like King Midas. Everything this man touches turns to gold. And so when we saw earlier in this year that he was getting into NFTs the way that we were, we're, we were feeling a little bit more secure and comfortable knowing that somebody like Nick was co-signing the space and he was on board. And we were like, look, with the support of someone like Nick Diamond in NFTs, it brings a lot of trust, value, and reputation to this space that we wouldn't have had without him. And Nick has a, a rabid legion of followers. He has a solid reputation in the sneakers, skate, and streetwear community. Uh, upstanding guy all around. And he's about to launch his own collectible set. They're, they're called the Diamond Crypto Dunks. Uh, and they're coming out sometime soon. We don't know when. But I wanted to talk real quick about that before we get into the history, Nick. The Diamond Crypto Dunks. Is there anything you can tell us, anything you can hint at about what those are going to be, what they are going to look like, or what we should be excited about? Yeah. Um, and thanks for the awesome intro, Bobby. Um, I'm flattered, man. Um, yeah, so Diamond Crypto Dunks. It's actually my third NFT project. Um, my first two NFT projects I did completely differently than how collectible projects are releasing now um i did them earlier in the year with as collaborations where i did really limited amounts of nfts that were basically the same nft um they were one edition um where you could buy the one edition as a collectible um i did that twice one was a collection with wale uh the artist wale uh, we did that, and then we did another one with Ben Baller. Um, we launched those on different platforms. This one I'm launching on my own platform, and I created a collection, kind of like every single one is a one-of-one. One. There's 25,000 renditions of these NFTs. So each one is a one-of-one. One. Some are more rare than the others. Um, there's not much else I could talk about them except that they come in this nice pink box is the reveal page. Um, I don't want to let anyone know what's inside the pink box. So basically what happens is once you buy the pink box on reveal day, the box opens and you see which NFT you actually got some are rarer than others there's different colors different designs things of that nature and that's basically what it is it's a surprise it's like a mystery box um we love surprises we love mysteries from nick um i i think uh well here real quick we talked about this earlier and i don't know how far we got down this this path i i still don't even know if we are still doing this nick but are we gonna be able to whitelist some of the members from the Adam Bomb Squad community? Do you know anything about that? Yes. Um, we actually, when we started our Discord, um, 
we have a Discord page that you can see uh, if you go to my Twitter. There's a link to our Discord, which is essentially a Discord is like a forum. Like if you were ever part of the old Hype Beast forums or Nike Talk or Soul Collector or any of these places that we basically built our brands on back in the day, me and Bobby um, and a bunch of other brands, early streetwear brands. It's essentially the same thing. Um, so the first 2,500 people that joined our Discord that we started one week ago, um, which today we hit 5,000 people in in seven days, which was amazing to me that people that joined our Discord, and they're all on there chatting about NFTs, sneakers, streetwear, and whatnot. Um, we let the first 2,500 people became on our whitelist. Um, but now we're going to do whitelist, which will be separate from our pre-sale. So whitelist is the first ones that can actually be able to buy our NFTs. And now we're going to do a pre-sale. And we decided that anyone who is an atom bomb holder, a current atom bomb holder, will be able to be on the pre-sale. Whoa. All right. So uh, that should be good news for anyone in the Adam Bomb Squad community already. And it should also be a little bit of an incentive if you're not to get in. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, I think sure. um, I, I, this is a part of I, So I wrote this essay. It's called What NFTs Can Learn from Streetwear. I'm going to be publishing it after uh, we finish this little interview. But uh, one of the things I talk about in this piece is the importance of projects to work together. And it's something that streetwear knows very well. Uh, is the power of collaborations. And we don't see enough of it right now in NFTs. I think just because the space is relatively new and everyone's kind of finding their own bearings, establishing their own identities. Well, the advantage of you and I and the brands that we've built is that we have these legacies, we have intact relationships, and we can call on our brothers and our sisters to help us out. And so that's going to be kind of a really fun and beautiful moment of um, watching more streetwear designers and skate and street and sneaker people move into the space is that uh, we, the existing friendships are there and uh, you're going to see some really, really cool alliances and relationships bonding. I know Nick's been jumping into our Discord, you know, riling up some of our kids and collectors. Um, I'll be doing the same, jumping into Nick's, I don't know, geez, you got 5,000 in a week, which is, uh, that should tell everyone something about how frothy this, this project's going to be. Um, but it's all about working together. Guys and girls, collaborations are king. Uh, they exist for a reason. There's a, there's a reason why they've been effective in streetwear. It's not just for marketing hype. What collaborations do is they establish trust within the space. And this space right now is really, as I said earlier, it's dark and mysterious. It's a little scary, right? There's a lot of anonymity. There's a lot of scamming. Trust me, Nick and I, we went through this the same way 15 years ago, 10 years ago, and 20 years ago. As the technology kept changing, there was a lot of mystery. We didn't know each other. We didn't know, if, like, buying anything online, you were going to get scammed. Sneakers, you know, there was no reselling sites. You were, you were like, if I buy this off eBay, is it ever going to be delivered? So we, we went through it all the same way. And collaborations helped because there were two different people that you trusted getting together saying, hey, you can trust us. And you can trust this thing called streetwear. And you can trust this thing called sneakers. And so the more that people like Nick and I and brands like us and other projects get together and we're co-signing each other and improving and validating things, uh, the space overall is going to feel a lot more warm and a lot more comfortable to move around in. And so um, I hope this is the beginning of many, many, many 
alliances and collaborations and projects aligned down the road. Nick, I kind of want to start at the beginning uh, just to brush everyone up here on a little bit of history. My audience over the last year has more or less turned into a, a, a predominantly NFT audience, and they might not know about you or Diamond or what you've done throughout your life, um, but you grew up in the Bay uh, and you grew up skating, right? And yeah. um, I don't know how if that in, has informed any of your career, but did it inform any of your perspective on how to be an entrepreneur and a designer? Yeah, I mean, completely. I mean, skateboarding, growing up skateboarding, um, being around skateboard companies is really what pushed me into, you know, being an entrepreneur and wanting to do my own thing. Um, Yeah, growing up in San Francisco, um, skateboarding, a lot of the skateboard industry was there. Thrasher Magazine um, is based out of San Francisco. Uh, Deluxe, which had Spitfire wheels, um, Thunder trucks, independent trucks, venture trucks, um, Think Skateboards, Real Skateboards, Anti-Hero, all these brands came out of Deluxe um, Distribution, which was in San Francisco. So growing up there um, and just becoming part of the industry at a young age, really um, skateboarding, being sponsored by these companies, um, just really... uh, made me look outside of just being a skater and what am I going to do after skateboarding? But of course, when you're that young, skateboarding's it, right? That's it. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, but it's not realistic. So, always but being some, Yeah, but being sponsored by these brands, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that inspired you to also, hey, I want to be my own business. I want to be my own brand. I want to work for myself and create my own world. Is that, was that yeah. kind of what was going on? Yeah, in exactly. Mind? That's exactly what happened is because I would always give them ideas, these companies, right, for different products. And I was always into sneakers, always been a Jordan collector since as far back as I could remember, um, always into apparel. Um, so with them, I'd give them ideas and they would seem to, you know, they'd make some of the products. See, I was designing before I was even designing, right? I was just kind of like, giving ideas and some of these brands would make this stuff and they would do well. So as the years went on, I just, you know, figured, Hey, I would love to make, it started with an idea of doing an apparel company, but then I just felt like, you know, that I didn't know anything about designing apparel. So I wanted to start a skateboarding based company. So I started making skateboard hardware. And I called it Diamond Supply Co. as supplying skateboards with hard goods, right? Um, Making bolts. My idea was to make skateboard hardware, bearings, grip tape, all those type of things. And as soon as I started making t-shirts just to brand my hard goods, um, my diamond logo, which is the diamond logo that everyone sees now, was my first logo. It just started doing well. as t-shirts like a t-shirt brand and this is in 1998 so it's you know 23 years ago i started this brand through skateboarding just to do something that i felt i could actually get a bunch of my friends that were pro skaters to that i could sponsor to all be kind of on the same skateboarding team and that's how my journey into becoming a designer and entrepreneurial started was with that um, cause I didn't have a graphic designer or anything. I designed everything myself. So 
yeah, that's how my journey started was through skateboarding and wanting to create something, a community of my friends that we would all be on the same skateboarding team, which was Diamond Supplyco. And the brand, the soft goods brand, I would say like the t-shirts and, you know, beyond just the skate hardware, the t-shirts and the hoodies and all the streetwear that was associated with Diamond Supply Co. kind of elevated and transcended skateboarding. You became more or less a, a leading streetwear brand at the time that we were starting around 2003 in the, in the mid 2000s. Yeah, um, that all happened on accident. That happen? Yeah, that all happened on accident, really. It was, uh, I had a, during the time that, I, I mean, I started in 1998 and my t-shirts were really doing good. And I just started designing graphics on my computer of all kinds of crazy t-shirts. And I wanted to make things that just, you know, look different than what other brands were doing. So I was kind of doing oversized, wild t-shirt graphics that people at the time during that era were kind of making smaller graphics but i was thinking of like old 80s shirts that i probably used to wear when i was a kid i'm like i'm just gonna start making oversized shit and it actually started doing well and people were like kind of tripping out on it and i think that's what really marked us as something other than just hardware right people were buying our t-shirts i um i started it in my apartment and then i went to one of my friends, well, they came to me, my friend Mike Carroll from Girl Skateboards, and he said, hey, man, this diamond thing's really cool. Do you want to move to L.A. and we'll help you distribute it? So, of course, I said yes. I didn't know much about L.A., but I literally packed up my car the very next day and moved to L.A. I got a U-Haul and drove to L.A. and just moved to L.A. with all unknowing what the future was going to hold. But I started uh, selling my stuff out of Girl Skateboards Distribution, and at that point, Nike, this is in 2000, so two years after I started Diamond. And at that point is when Nike really started uh, putting together a skate team um, for their Nike SB footwear that they were just launching. And a lot of the guys, almost everyone that they had on their skate team at the time, I was already sponsoring for Diamond Hardware. So I kind of got involved with the whole Nike SB thing at the very beginning um just you know i sponsored the guys i was getting free nike sbs not thinking anything of it i thought it was amazing because growing up as a sneaker collector you know that's it was just a dream to be able to get some free sneakers and things like that um so i just continued designing right i'm just designing and then not until 2004 i was approached by the team manager of nike hunter his name was hunter and he you know, they wanted to actually do a girl skateboards, Nike SB collaboration. And I had my company being distributed out of there. So um, Sam, who was a team manager of girl was like, Hey man, we really want to do this uh, Nike SB uh, collab. Can you help me do some colorways? But I'm not sure Mike and Rick, the owners of girl skateboards are going to really want to do a Nike collab because at the time, it wasn't cool to like bring big corporate brands like that into skateboarding and support it. Right. Because skateboarding was small. You know, we had like DC shoes and things like that. You didn't want to step on the toes of these core skate companies and bring in, you know, some big corporate companies who could potentially take over. But for me, 
I grew up as a Nike head, right? I love Nikes. Um, so I was like, hey, man, you know, if girl doesn't want to do it, I'd want to do it. So when we desi- when we designed a couple shoes, um, he sent my colorway that I designed and he sent his colorways that he designed. And they said that they actually liked the one that I designed, which was um, the Tiffany Nike SB, the Diamond Dunk. So with that... For those who don't know, the Diamond Dunk... Uh, how would you rank that in the pantheon of rare sneakers? That's top five, top ten. I mean, it's, it's probably top five, right? I mean, that's like a yeah, legendary well, Nike shoe, and it can and it has multiple iterations. It keeps coming back, and it comes back in different ways, and it still maintains its allure. Yeah. So, so when that happened, I was like, "Well, fuck, man! You know, this is amazing. I wonder if." Because Diamond was still, you know, basically, it wasn't as big as Girl Skateboards. But the team manager, Hunter, he was a big fan of Diamond. And I used to send him Diamond boxes and everything. So he's like, dude, the shoe colorway is amazing. Um, we really want to do this. And I was like, well, would you guys put a Diamond on the tongue? And I sent him my Diamond logo. He said he'd run it by Nike, all this stuff. And the Diamond Dunk was born. They said, yes, Girl yeah. Skateboards didn't want to do it. So... We're going to do a Diamond Supply Co. Nike SB. It was like the craziest dream come true. I was like, holy shit, I'm basically a new brand at this point still, but I'm getting my own Nike. Um, the rest is history in the streetwear and sneaker world after that. So being known yes, as it this, is. this uh, you know, small skateboard hardware company that made some cool t-shirts that people liked, this really you know, just pushed it to the next level. Well, next thing you know, I had all these sneaker and streetwear fans of my brand. Um, thanks to my collaboration. First collaboration with Nike. I wore my diamond dunks to shreds. Uh, I still have them. I'll never let them go. I'm I'm not even that size anymore. I think they were 10 and a half and I wear an 11 now. And, um, they're still some of my most, most beloved sneakers of all time. And, uh, you know, for most sneakerheads of that era, they held like it's sappy, but they held like a really emotional part of that time period because of the nature of dunks, Nike talk, uh, where streetwear was at that moment. Um, really pivotal time. Dylan Francis is in is in the room. Not to, I don't want to veer too far off path. I'm going to come right back to you, Nick. But Dylan was being very patient and holding up his hand, and I actually just wanted to pick his brain for a second because Dylan. Dylan was there when we wait, Bob. Yes, that's that's why I popped in. I know because I used to work at Diamond Supply Co. Yeah, you worked at both. You worked, you were kind of like the bridge between you are the collaboration between the hundreds and Diamond. (laughs) I just wanted to pop in and say I fucking love you guys, and uh, you know, working with I remember what was it, six, 17 years ago? Holy shit. Um. That yeah, you guys are just the the fucking best, and it's amazing to see you in the space. And uh, I love both well, of you. Well, look so. real quick before you go, I just I want to say some, something. But what Nick was saying was that, um, and this is something that's always been really remarkable and stood out to me about Nick. Even when I've kind of like made fun of him in my head for it, this guy's always open to new opportunities, and he sees talent and he sees innovation long before anyone else does. And so he's always doing things like he was saying. 
even in skateboarding, there was a little bit of a stigma around Nike. And he was just like, I don't care. I grew up wearing Nike and it has meaning and resonance to me. And so I want to do it because I believe in it. And he made it happen. And I remember in the early days of Hypebeast, the Hypebeast forums were kind of like, um, I was Nike talk days and then it was followed up with Hypebeast forum. Now it's the discords. But in the Hypebeast forums, Nick spent a lot of time in there. And I was just like, I wouldn't do that. You know, that's just not my style because of how I was building my brand at the time. And he was just like, I don't really care if it's cool or not. I'm doing it because I want to do it and I like it. You, and he made it work for him. You and, and introduced me to, to that. that. Because we both, I'm just saying that we both saw something in Dylan and mm -hmm. we knew that there was something there. And then he became more famous and richer than I'll ever be. But uh, <laughs> anyways, Nick, what were you saying? No, it's just that the Hypebeast forums, yes. And that's something that you introduced me to. And that actually helped me build my brand my brand after the nike sb that was that was uh thanks to you i you know I've, I've always tell people that i tell people that story that bobby hundreds one day was like hey man you know there's this thing it's called hype beast it's this new website they have this forum and you should go in there and talk to people on there because a lot of kids in there like diamond and i was like really that's crazy so i joined and it became like the craziest experience for me um, being able to talk to all my fans because now within the Hypebeast forums, everyone, you could start your own thread. So basically all the streetwear brands of the time, we all, um, even though I was a skate brand, this was kind of my introduction into becoming, you know, known in the streetwear industries. I started a forum on, I mean, a, a thread inside the forum, which was just the Diamond Supply Co. forum. And it grew to be at, at sometimes the biggest thread on there as long as the, and the hundreds was on there. Supreme was on there, a bunch of brands, black scale, bunch of brands were on there. And that's where we really connected with our fans. And we were talking to hundreds and hundreds of people on there every day. It was just all about this community and talking about Fairfax, talking about new releases. And this is in 2006 or seven, I believe. Um, so really early, we got into this whole um, building community um, within our brands. And that's, yeah, I and think, why we all became yeah. kind of successful amongst um, people in the streetwear industry and fans. Is It was really all about building community at the time. And I think it still is. And I think because we've always led with that in mind, we've had the longevity and the sustainability to last this long. You know, I, I, I think we've always been really keen and kept our eyes on the horizon of what's coming next, especially, you know, in the in the face of people making fun of us or thinking it's corny or it's just not very cool or whack. Uh, but we do it. And, and it's starting to it's happening again. It's happened through many generations and we're still here. We can't say the same for many other brands and designers that we came up with. Uh, but we're here and I think we're moderately successful. You are about 55x more successful than i am and more famous but we're still here and um but some, but we're doing it again i think with nfts right and i think you and i and dylan and you know everyone else who's in this room who can empathize uh we're really excited by this conversation around nfts we're stimulated by the topic in a way that we haven't felt in a very long time uh, you and I, we both love streetwear and we love design and we love the industry a lot, you know, like, but we've gone through so many hills and valleys and I feel like we've played the game 
so many times before we're like experts we're just kind of like master champions of streetwear like we know we've seen it all we know how to do it um but nfts are this this new challenge a new puzzle a new dimension that we can bring into streetwear and make it uh something that we can have never imagined before things that i've always wanted to do are now able to do things that we weren't able to do with our community we're now able to do uh you know when we had the hypebeast forums before nike talk now we are our own hypebeast former nike talk because of our discord channels and our servers and so what is it about nfts for you that you know you went from being this skate streetwear sneaker figurehead luminary to now like i think there's something there for us in nfts is there what was it about you that provoked uh your journey into this space um i mean it was it, it came very naturally to be honest um you know just being an artist for tw- over 20 years designing um i first started dabbling in cryptocurrency um bitcoin and ethereum and some smaller coins back in 2017 um i just kind of started getting into the whole crypto world and then how no man is just like the evolution of it right and then nfts when i started hearing about nfts i was like that just doesn't make any sense right like why would somebody buy a jpeg that you just hold on your phone or in a wallet or whatever like and that has value i didn't understand it at first right and then when i started really thinking about it i was like this is actually an amazing concept the idea doesn't make sense to anyone when you first tell them about it right they're like this isn't art how could it possibly be art it might be art but it doesn't have any significance but that's not true because just like when people, you know, you collect, it's like collecting baseball cards, right? But digitally, but it's also like collecting fine art um, on my wallet. There's so many things about NFTs that um, I'm learning every day. Just like you said, it's a never ending learning experience. It's changing. It's like the freeway. It's like, it's just constantly going. It never stops. It's like, it's so brand new that there's no rules to it. Um, I feel like I was just intrigued by NFTs because for me personally, as a designer, I was designing t-shirts and apparel my whole life, but I'm not by any means the greatest painter or anything like that where people would go buy my artwork. But with this, I can actually create my own artwork that's not sold on t-shirts. It's actually sold as art, um, digital art that, Actually, for me personally, my thoughts on NFTs, because I've been buying a lot of NFTs from different collections, and I see these NFTs as not only are they a way to hold my cryptocurrency, because even like Ethereum, I spend most of all my Ethereum that I've had, I keep buying NFTs because I'd rather just hold an NFT and own this piece of art than just having it sit there and go up and down in the cryptocurrency market as you know ethereum goes up it goes up or it goes down at least i can buy something that i feel like has value just like art does for the simple fact that say when you buy art right um i buy art that it either goes up in value or it doesn't i hang it on my wall and that's cool i look at it every day when i'm at home but i also buy 
art that I store away in storage, right? I have art pieces that I don't have enough. I have more art than I can hang in my house. I don't get to see that stuff every day. At least with my NFTs, every day I'm on my OpenSea account looking, buying and selling art. So I see everything I own every day. I enjoy the art on my phone more than I enjoy the art that I have in real life, which is a trip. But yeah, um, there's just so many things same, that same. I love about <laughs> that I love about NFTs. Um, well, and I, I mean, I, yeah, I don't mean to interrupt, but some of the things you're saying are so telling that you're coming at it from a streetwear perspective, because for people like you and I, and especially the generation that we came up in streetwear and our understanding and definition of what streetwear is, it was always led by art, culture, community. And then came the reselling, the investment side of it, the trading side of it. All those pieces are part of the ecosystem of any collectibles culture, baseball cards, beanie babies, fine art that you and I are both involved in. Um, but NFTs right now, we are in this weird, kind of a strange season, which I'll be honest, I don't love, where it's just about flipping. It's just about the investment side. I think we got um, a little bit too heavy on the flipping and the reselling part of it and the investment side of it, which is also kind of bizarre because now you're getting into securities and whatnot, and now everyone wants theirs. Their NFTs behave as stocks in a way. Um, even when we were devising, they are NFTs, stocks. I mean, right? it is stocks. I mean, that's exactly like what it is. Stocks, but trading cards, but art, but the way that you're talking about it, um, you appreciate it as art first. Is it important for you that the NFTs also come with all this other stuff? Because now it's not enough for some collectors to have NFTs. It's just art. They're also demanding utility or perks or some other assets other attributes that come with it that give it more and more and more they want more yeah um, but that's the investment in stock side of it right like you go buy apple stock you're hoping it goes up or down it's the same with buying an nft or just art in general you buy art you go buy a fucking cause painting or print or something and or even a collectible and you're hoping that it goes up in value and Obviously, the more it goes up in value, the more cherished it is because now it has value that you don't want to just let your dog chew on or something, right? So it's the same It's the same thing with NFTs or anything. It's like you buy it and even your sneakers, right? If you have some sneakers that are worth a bunch of money, you don't want to really go wear them every day and mess them up. And some people buy sneakers just to resell them. They have sneaker collections they don't even wear. Sneakers are... Um, collectibles instead of people wearing them not me i mean and you i know a lot of people that you know we buy our sneakers and we wear them it's just what we do i've never been a sneaker hoarder where i just collect it as like an art piece but people do essentially it's the same thing with nfts except there's um, much more value in the resale of an nft than a sneaker so why are you collecting a sneaker that you're never going to wear anyway you can buy an nft which the price of Ethereum, all this stuff is just forever changing. I feel like anyone who's doing reselling of apparel and sneakers are going to eventually just fall into the NFT world when they start realizing what it really is. Um, you're not, you don't even have to camp outside of a store anymore. You're, That's, well, yeah. you're camping online kind of because a lot of these projects sell out, but you could always buy them and hold the ones you believe in. You know, like my even my 
um, just like my sneaker collection. I have tons of shoes. I don't wear them all that often because I have so many, but I do wear them all. And it's just like in my OpenSea account, some of them are worth money and some of them aren't, you know, you gotta, you know, some of them I just buy cause I'm like, this is a cool NFT. It's a cool art piece. Maybe it'll go up in value. Maybe it won't. Same thing with buying, you know, sneakers or apparel that you want to resell. I've never been a reseller, but for the mindset, I get it. And it's like the same thing that I feel about NFTs, even though I love them for different reasons and other people might, I can see that it turns into the whole resale market and sneaker collecting and all these things can shift easily into the NFT digital. It's like digital assets. It's, um, it's like buying stocks, but you actually have something like if you look at everyone's picture, um, on their, on even this chat, all the pictures of, you know, the avatars of their NFTs they own, it also becomes a status symbol. Like some of these I'm looking, I'm like, oh, there's a bored ape. You know, that might be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars or $50,000 and things like that. It's kind of like nowadays it's even NFTs are becoming a flex, which is crazy. It's just a crazy, ever-changing world. I still don't understand it. I just like collecting them. I think they're amazing and it's fun. I'm getting a kick out of it. It's like I collecting we, baseball cards all over again, but yeah, on a different is. level. It, it, and it feels like discovering streetwear like we did, like I did in the late nineties and figuring out what baiting Ape Supreme and, and Nikes at the time, they were really just more, more or less Jordans were kind of the thing, but um, same thing. I wanted to uh, talk to Fran real quick. Fran Alations is in the room. Uh, Fran, if you, What's up? if you want to hop in now, Fran is someone I actually interviewed for uh, this streetwear essay that I'm going to be posting tonight after this um, interview. But I, I wanted to ask Fran about this conversation around the streetwear and sneaker community coming and merging into the streetwear space, I mean, into the NFT space. Fran uh, is also another one of these visionaries. He was a very OG collector, sneakerhead. From the very beginning, he was there. Um, and then streetwear brands, he was there supporting the hundreds and diamond from that generation, the Supreme Bape. I mean, he's, he's been in, he's always on the front lines. And so when Ben and I just found ourselves in the NFT space very early in this year, at the top of 2021, we looked up and, of course, Fran was already leading the charge. And I was not surprised at all. Um, Fran, as a, as a collector of many things, Pokemon cards, down to sneakers, down to streetwear, um, how do you see this going for more of our community, the hundreds, diamond you know, just supreme resellers, like how all of these people coming into NFTs now, how do you think it's going to affect everything? Yeah, thanks for having me up. And um, yeah, I know early on when I got into this in March or so, uh, or so, I was like, I'm really getting the same vibe of community that I had uh, with sneakers very early on. There's a tight knit community, always sharing information, being willing to, uh, you know, line up uh, for you for sneakers or whatever is just friends looking out for each other. And I get that vibe all over again in NFT space. And, uh, you know, in this space, we're trading assets here that have a lot more value than sneakers did. Uh, that's for sure. And I know we kind of already talked about how, like, um, you know, you have to wait in lines or anything like this. So it's very much the same type of feel, but um, in this new, like, internet age. And, uh, yeah, it's an exciting space for sure. What are some of the – go ahead, Nick. I didn't know if you wanted to say something to Fran also. I'm sure you have some questions for him. Oh, I mean, Spanish Fran, one. actually, when uh, when I really started uh, talking about doing this next project, 
um, Fran is someone that I went to and asked him a million questions about discords and um, how, what's the easiest way for me to build a community around my brand in the NFT crypto space. You know, he kind of told me a lot of things and he's been schooling me on a lot of NFT projects, which is funny because when I met Fran, he was, you know, a pretty young kid coming to the diamond store. Now I'm sitting here asking him advice about these type of things, which is really cool. But, um, yeah, Fran, Fran, uh, actually congratulations on all your success at the NFT world. I know you're like buying and selling and made like a incredible, um, new life for yourself outside of being a sneaker buyer and seller. Now you're selling these NFTs and I know you're doing really well for yourself doing it, which is amazing to see. It's like inspiring, but, um, yeah, this, I, I think that, uh, exactly. It's like the sneaker community or buy resell, even the art community, just on a different level. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, no. go, go, go ahead, Fran. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it's been awesome, you know, getting to, you know, talk to you and kind of share that experience. And even you're, you know, sending me new projects that I ended up uh, picking up, including your avatar right there and, and stuff like this. But no, it, it's definitely a fun space. It brings people together. But that's always what the Internet's done. Um, internet culture in general uh, brings people together. And so, yeah, like I said, very excited about the space and the whole uh, intersection of sneakers and NFTs. It's just getting started. I'm sure we'll see Nike um, doing NFT sneakers here in the uh, not too distant future with metaverse integration and all these other terms that are so new to people and are just now being understood. Yeah, Nike hired a director of metaverse uh, from what I've yep. seen. And I think um, there was another company that just, well, CAA uh, put on, I think, uh, an NFT collector today, they signed an NFT, like not a creator, an NFT collector was signed to CAA, the, the uh, creative artist agency today. Um, and it seems like every major corporation institution is putting on someone kind of like how they used to have like an Instagram official Instagram person or a social media, like now they are hiring NFT metaverse people. And so I'm curious, Nick, do you know anything about how Nike's going to get into NFTs? Um. I mean, I know that a lot of companies are getting into NFTs now. I mean, even if, you know, even the NFTs that are being bought are being bought by, you know, large hedge funds. And there's so many people getting involved in it. Now it's the future. Um, you know, it's still new, so we're all learning about it. But I feel that this is just the very early stages. You're going to see a lot of brands, artists, um, all kinds of people. There's a lot of music artists who've been dropping NFTs. There's a lot. There's, um, you know, Damien Hirsch just had a really big successful NFT drop um, about a month ago or so, maybe a little longer. Um, I just, man, it's just, it's overwhelming. Like you said, yeah. it's, it's never ending. It's, 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 uh, it's going so fast that you can't even, like, we don't even know. No one's an expert in this right now. It's impossible to be an expert in NFTs because, or where it's headed because it's so new still. But it's exciting. I love stuff like this. Now, as we wind down, I wanted to ask you guys both, Nick and Fran, why do you think that other streetwear brands and designers are not getting into this space? Uh, this has been brought up a few times. I was talking to, to the Artifact uh, guys, uh, Stephen, the other day. And um, we were just wondering why, you know, there's Jeff Staple has been in. Nick has obviously been in. I, we're in. The Hunters is in. Um, 
But there's a lot of, I was expecting and hopeful that by the end of 2021, that we would see a lot more streetwear brands and designers in the space, innovating, figuring things out. And I know there's a few in the background that we've been, we all know that we're talking to that are kind of working on it. But what do you think is stopping, holding them back or um, not interesting to them about NFTs? I think people don't understand it yet. Um, they don't know. Like it's, it's just with anything new. Some people might be dabbling in it a bit, but I don't think that people understand it. it you really have to dive in and be a part of it and really you know, being a collector of NFTs now, being in crypto for so long. Um, I actually invested in a new platform as well. Um, I'm just fully invested in the space. Can I, I actually wanted to talk about that, if that's okay, about um, Launchpad, that I'm, uh, I invested in a Launchpad yeah. now that we're hosting NFTs. Um, there's a coin, it's called Firestarter. I actually have one of the founders. He's the main founder. He's on here, if we could bring him up. And we'd like to discuss sure. it because I, I just it? want people to understand this. And he's very knowledgeable about it way beyond where, what where I know. In here? Real <laughs> quick, funny story. I, I, I know Dylan isn't in here anymore, so now we can talk shit about him. But Dylan really did. Dylan Francis really did work for both Nick and I and, and Ben and for Diamond and the Hundreds. And he was just this scrappy, obnoxious kid. And, uh, you know, we used to make fun of him. There's videos of, of, of us dumping trash on him. There's videos of us on our early YouTube page. You have to find it, guys. It's still up on our YouTube somewhere. I think, like, back in the, at the very beginning of our YouTube page, there's videos of us dumping water on him while he's sleeping and him crying about it. And it is just h hilarious to me that this guy, he grew up, and he's like a world fit. He's like a rock star. And when I talk to him about any, you know, obviously we're 18 years into our brand. We have new staff here and we walk around and we're like, Oh yeah, Dylan Frant. Like someone will be listening to Dylan Francis. I'm like, yeah, that kid used to intern here. They're like, what? Dylan Francis used to intern here. And we're like, yeah, 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 we know. But it's just hilarious because he, now he's also like an NFT God. Yeah. I just can't, I'll never escape him. He's like herpes. I'm never going to get rid of this guy. Uh, not saying I have herpes, but I did have Dylan Francis once. Um, did we find Perot, or is, are we going to give up at this point? I think we are going to give up. I think even Nick gave up. Nick, are you still there? I'm sorry, I was on. I'm sorry, I was on mute, guys. It's okay, Nick. Uh, let's wrap this up. We can put everyone out of their misery. Everyone was very patient. I want to end on a real strong note. I want to talk about these diamond crypto dunks. We haven't announced an official date. On when they're coming out. They just disappeared. Oh. Um, we haven't announced an official date on when the Diamond Crypto Dunks are coming out. But we did announce earlier in this little interview here that uh, Adam Bomb Squad holders, we are going to whitelist. And we'll have more information about that. Um, and we'll, we'll be dropping that in our own Discord and our own Medium soon. Uh, I'm excited about this project. <laughs> I'm just excited to see more streetwear and sneaker and skateboarding uh, players involved. Guess what, you guys? I they said it couldn't be done, but Parul is a speaker now. He flew in yes. on his private jet. You flew in on your Cessna. I your love series. it. Parul, how are you? <laughs> Parul, 
just as just as I hoped, you came in and you muted yourself, and that would yeah. I made it. Ultimate, it would have been the <laughs> dude. So sorry about that, folks. I apologize <laughs> for the technical difficulties, but I'm here now. Hey, Pearl. Okay, uh, can you you couldn't you couldn't figure out Twitter Spaces, but we are gonna trust you with this technology. Yeah. Can you tell us about what Firestarter is all about? Pearl, you there? Yeah, Pearl. Oh no! What the hell is going on, guys? I can, and there happens to be quite a delay. I'm not sure why, but I will go ahead and tell you what Firestarter is all about. Firestarter incubates and launches. Oh my god, this is amazing. Um, Parole, you know what it is? Is that you might be listening to it through your computer. Okay. So I don't know. If- so sorry about the pause in the soliloquy. But this is, again, the technical difficulties. But I'm just going to tell you guys straight here. And uh, we'll leave it at that. So Firestarter is a launch pad that incubates and launches metaverse projects. So we created a, our own category, which is called IMOs, or Initial Metaverse Offerings. And we're working with incredible projects, folks such as um, Nikki's Projects, um, very, very famous rappers, artists, etc. And we bring a great ecosystem of crypto-native folks. And our ethos that we believe in is community over everything, decentralization. So... I'll leave it at that. I encourage you guys to come check us out. Um, link is on the bio. Cheers. Thank you, Parole. Uh, Nick, I don't know if you wanted to add anything to that. Maybe not. Nick, I think you're still muted. Yeah. Um, I'm part of Firestarter, and I just wanted to throw it out there and introduce you to everyone to Parole and Firestarter. Um, we're launching actually this week. So that's basically, that's all. I just wanted to introduce him and join him in on our conversation. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, We're really happy. Please check that out. Everyone follow Nick on Twitter if you don't already. Um, I'm assuming you're following me if you're listening to this, but if you don't follow me too, it's really important that you do that. Follow Adam Bomb Squad. Um, and, uh, and follow along this Diamond Crypto Dunks project. N- and Nick, uh, for those who joined late, is the founder of Diamond, legendary skate, streetwear brand, sneaker brand, everything brand. Um, also just like a figurehead in the sneakerhead community. And that uh, practice attitude and philosophy that he brings to sneakers, he's starting to do that more and more in the NFT space. It's a logical connection. We're going to see this industry and this marketplace really get upturned and upset uh, once uh, more of more streetwear uh, people, designers, brand owners, and founders like us get involved, which is why I'm really excited and why I wanted to bring Nick on today, because this is the first of a revolution, in my opinion. I love uh, all the crypto native um, people in NFTs. I love the artists who've been uh, really holding up this space for a very long time. Uh, but I'm very, very eager to see more sneaker collectors, uh, streetwear uh, community members move into this space because their approach to art appreciation, 
their enthusiasm for culture and community building, and also just their secondhand nature of how reselling and trading can work in a really positive and beneficial way for everyone um, is unparalleled. In many ways, we invented a lot of this game. And I say this all the time when we were starting in the NFT space and talking to a lot of the OG pioneers and the founders in NFTs. They always were pointing to brands like the Hundreds, Diamond, Supreme, Bape, Off-White as examples and beacons and lighthouses of what they wanted to be, right? And so it's interesting that you're seeing more NFT brands and collectibles and even artists announcing things like on the roadmap, hey, we're doing X, Y, and Z, and we're starting a streetwear brand, and we're starting an apparel brand. They all want to get to where we are. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's funny that we are trying to get to their side. We're meeting halfway at this point. Um, yeah. But we're, we're really the ones that I feel like have forged a lot of these rules. I've actually met a lot of people in this space too, the owners of some of these early NFT um, collections, and I'm actually working on a couple collaborations with them as well. Um, events, collaborations, just networking and building communities together in this space, which is amazing. And that's how we all started, right? With sneakers, skateboarding, streetwear, it's all about community. And NFTs is exactly the same. Thank you so much, Nick, for joining us today. Thanks, Fran, Perul. We had Dylan Francis join. Ben was quiet. Ben, I don't know if you want to say anything here in the last final minutes of Bomb Talk. Um, no, I mean, I think you guys did a great job covering everything. I'm, I'm really excited to see what Nick is going to be doing with, uh, with his project. Um, um, yeah, if you guys follow me, if anyone wants to follow me on Twitter, I have the, I have a link to my discord on the top of my Twitter page at Nikki diamond. Um, that will take you right into my discord where there's a lot of information about our NFT project that we are dropping here soon. And for all the bomb holders, of course, you are automatically in the pre-sale, thanks to Bobby and Ben and um, our collaboration. Some of you, we actually had a diamond collaboration within their first NFT drop. There is some diamond bombs in the Atom Bomb Squad, which is really That's cool. That's right. Thank you for bringing that up, Nick. There are mm -hmm. official collaborations with brands and artists um, in the Atom Bomb Squad collectibles in our set of 25,000. Nick and his brand Diamond are, uh, are, are some of those collaborations. And so um, that's been really cool to see. Because Nick, uh, if you look even at the flyer for today's conversation on Bomb Talk, the bomb that we feature, it's his bomb. It's one of the bombs that he owns actually in his personal wallet. If you want to just get an, a, an example of what it looks like, uh, the Hunters and Diamond collaborative bomb. But uh, again, I'm going to start and end this conversation on the same note about the importance of collaborations. We need more of them in NFTs. I write about that in an essay. It's called uh, What NFTs Can Learn from Streetwear. That's an essay that I'm going to be posting tonight. So if you don't follow me, uh, follow me now. I'm going to post it. Um, at some point in the next few hours. Uh, if you missed last week's episode, which was the first episode of Bomb Talk by Adam Bomb Squad and me, your host, Bobby Hundreds, I interviewed Steve Aoki. That is now up on Spotify. We are going to do that with every episode. The following week, I'll post it. So if you missed this one or you missed parts of it or your friends wanted to hear it, I'll be posting it a week from now, right before our next episode. I'm trying to do these on Mondays, but hey, 
I don't know. I don't like sticking to schedules, as anyone who follows Adam Bomb Squad already knows. Uh, Nick, any last words? No, that's it, man. Really, I think we covered everything. And thank you, everyone, for joining. And thank you, Bobby and Ben, for having me. Shout out everyone else that was speaking. Dylan, Perul, Fran. That's what's up. Thanks, everyone. That is what's up. All right, everyone. Have a good night.